It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, this is Rob Trevino, the co-creator and your second favorite host of the Interrupted Tales podcast. It's the podcast you're currently listening to, so I'm not sure why I feel the need to name it just now. But in case this happens to be your first episode of our Reading Short Stories and Making Jokes podcast, there you go. We have now been formally introduced. High tea will be served in the afternoon. Dress is formal. This episode is a little bit different from our typical episodes. It's an experiment of sorts, an attempt at what we're calling a commentary track, where we'll be having a fresh listen to some previous episodes and giving background information while we play highlights. It's not a clip show. It's more of an inside look at how the show is made, information on episodes we wrote but never produced, and curated parts of the episode that particularly struck our fancy. Okay, it's totally a clip show, but I think even the diehard listeners will enjoy the additional content and walk down memory lane. Plus, you may even hear clips from other aborted OhTheHumanity.com pilots that we created prior to deciding to create Interrupted Tales. That's better than a kick to the old head guts, right? Our first commentary track focuses on the very first tale that chilled us to the bone, that sent shivers down our spines, and that featured a contrived, melodramatic ending not even worthy of an early 80s Scooby-Doo cartoon. Welcome to the Interrupted Tales commentary track of The Test. That's the best we could come up with. And and I have to play the full 16 seconds of the thunder. I'm going to have to have a serious talk with the person editing this. Um, can I see your manager? Oh, that's me? Damn it, Rob. You need to get this right. Helen's been talking a lot to Nick from Epic Film Guys. He's breathing down my neck. You got this, buddy. You got this. So, here is the test. Spooky. Don't go hit me. They've already got me. Don't get you too. Stay back. Get out. Don't come back. Again, seriously, Rob, this is beyond amateur. The Test was the third episode of our podcast, and it came from the prestigious Argosy All-Story Weekly magazine in the October 21st, 1922 issue. It's your typical Doctor Uses Death Row Inmate to Prove the Existence of Ghosts story, and of course, features an ending that just may shock you if you have a very, very low tolerance for shocks. You may have asked yourself before, where do they get their stories? Why aren't they making fun of Stephen King? What am I doing here? Should I have gone to pharmacy school instead of getting that degree in art history? The answers, by the way, are the universe, copyright, and I don't know, but you should have definitely gone to pharmacy school. The reality is that it isn't always exactly easy to find our stories. Here in the good old US of A, we have pretty strict copyright laws that put most modern stories out of our reach. Sure, there are 
cool guys out there like Corey, Dr. Rowe, who make short stories open to remixing or creative commons. See episode 63, Print Crime, for instance. But most stories are safely locked away for the sake of the creators who wrote them or their relatives who own them. Because we greatly respect writers, we would never dream of stealing their creations for a silly little show. So we have to look for stories in the public domain, which means almost anything published in 1923 or before, or anything in which the copyright has lapsed. There is, of course, no database of copyright, so we have to jump through a lot of hoops in making sure we can use a story because we are essentially creating a very weird audiobook version of them. And sometimes we get this wrong. We've had to drop at least two episodes after finding out that the story had been reprinted in some bizarre German short story collection or in some limited release by the author's estate. It's frustrating, but it keeps our conscience clear and it keeps us from getting letters from lawyers. It also means we have to read a lot of stories before picking things out because we also want to do stories that are not too long, which is honestly something that took us a while to get good at, or too boring. And it's up to you to tell us if we hit that mark. In helping us with this, we'd like to thank the Pulp Magazine Archive, uh, the Internet Archive, and Project Gutenberg. Go to those sites, Google them, and go read something weird and old. Now, let's get back to the test. As with any early episodes, we are still getting our sea legs on podcasting in the overall format. So prepare yourself for some long pauses, my phone announcing text messages, and me just figuring out how to read. Yes, I read and Alan interrupts this episode. The way that works is generally, with a couple of exceptions, the person who chooses the tale is the interrupter. A little bit more on this process later in the episode. But first, the dramatic introduction to the test. The tragic death of Mrs. Chester Rawling, wife of the famous physician, had a most profound effect in the city of Wayne. I hear they build a bunch of fountains. <laughs> I hear Stacy's mom lives there. Ah, our skill for only referencing the hottest trends was always there from the beginning. See, the, the band's name was Fountains of Wayne, and they had a song called, well, you, you had to be there. Where you also had to be was early in the workings of Interrupted Tales. Just under two years ago, we started on this mission to create a podcast. We went through several ideas, some good, some bad, and some that really required a lot of work and we were too lazy to do. We batted around the idea of doing a bad movie podcast until we realized we were about 11 years too late, would be entering a field of approximately 200,000 similar podcasts. Trying to call it the flop house was also probably not our best idea. We then batted around the idea of a fake bad movie podcast. The concept was that in each episode we would be discussing a bad movie, but the meta part of it was that it wasn't a real movie, just one that we made up. Actually, to make it even more complicated, it was a fake bad movie that one of us would make up the complete plot for, while the other person would improvise and add other parts to the movie, whether they were scenes or lines or characters. We did two pilots for that podcast, which we called Below the Barrel, before deciding to pursue Alan's inspired idea of Interrupted Tales. Perhaps we'll release these someday. Let us know on Twitter at Tale Interrupted if you'd like to hear them, or any of our other pilots. Maybe you'll get to hear all about the amazing movies Bikini Bomb Squad and Heaven or Helen that we, quote, saw, unquote. Some other podcast ideas we had were titled Screen of the Crime, which we also made a pilot for, uh, The Summer of George, 10x10, 10 10, later 7x7, 7 7, and even later 5x5, 5 5, Alan and Rob versus Trend Betters, To Tell Some Truth, Explain It Like We're Five, and The Fantabulous Adventures of Senor Alan and Mademoiselle Rob in the Most Forbidden Zone. One of those, by the way, is not real. 
Now back to the show. The introduction of the story goes on to entail the tale of the death of Mrs. Chester Rawling, who was hit by a car going 30 miles per hour. Let's get Alan's reaction to this incredibly speedy incident. Okay, so that, I mean, that's the kind of <laughs> tragedy where you go, oh, oh, that's just awful. It's about um, 30? I mean, oh, that's, that's reprehensible, but uh, she... She didn't like mosey to the side. But, uh. Listen, in, in 1922, people that was that was the speed of a jet airplane today. Their brains like didn't inflation. work that fast, right? They just couldn't handle it. It was it was like, oh my god, what is this electric steel dragon coming to mow me down? Mm. Ah, steel dragon. I love a good Mark Wahlberg rock star reference. Plus, I love hearing myself breathe. It's a twofer. This is also part of the show where I apologize for how I'm breathing today. I have a cold. Anyway, the story continues and gets into the depression of Mrs. Rawlings' husband, the famous Dr. Rowling, master of the mental arts. The association of which he was a president held several meetings to discuss the matter. Committees appointed to wait on him and bring him out of the spell of morbidness acknowledged complete failure. <laughs> Committees? Um... Motion to take the doctor out for bubble tea and stop at the duck pond. Uh, is there a second? Thank you. Yes, thank you. And uh, motion carried. What about Dave and Buster's? Uh, denied. Oh. Months into his depression, the doctor decides to visit a prison to speak to a man named Langford who is set to be put to death in a few days. There, he tells the man that he's visiting to help him. I know you're doomed to die Friday, but as I said a moment ago, I came here for no other purpose than to cheat the chair. I am Dr. Chester Rowling. Probably you've heard of me. <laughs> I'm kind of a big player in the whole mentally ill, dead man walking game. From there, Rowling and Langford continue, with the illustrious doctor detailing what happened to his wife and how his distaste for religion played into it, in addition to how much he missed her. She was life itself to me. I would have cut off my right arm for her. Okay. I would have been dipped in molten lead for her sake. Now we're getting pretty kinky. But to profess belief in religious matters was something I could not do. Not even for her. But I won't do that. Ah, Meatloaf. The patron saint of horror tales, softball, and trying to get out of hastily promised marriages. Anywho... The doctor then relays to the condemned man that he was visited by the spirit of his wife the other night and, much like Mickey Dolan's, was now a believer. It's probably a brutal offer, he said. However, it should appeal to you as your last chance is gone. Ooh, that's comforting. Uh, <laughs> which would you prefer? To go to the chair and be electrocuted by the state or die as a result of heart failure? Uh, hmm. Um... Take, take the box. Take the box. Langford drew his breath with a rasping sound and looked at Dr. Rowling quickly. Good Lord, man, he faltered. What do you mean? Oh, it's, a, it's just a fun game. Or how about this? Who wins in a fight of a hundred penguins versus a woolly mammoth? That is a fun game. Word of advice, though, never bet against a penguin. They are small, but behind that waddle lies the heart of a true killer. Have you ever watched the director's cut of Happy Feet? That whole last 30 minutes they cut out is like a penguin version of Audition. Chilling. And now, the final bargain. If you accept my offer, 
I'll give you this bottle. Simply drink it. In a few minutes, you'll feel drowsy. That's all there is to it. That's all there is? Well, plus you'll be dead, but I mean, that's basically it. Details. The poison will be completely absorbed by your system, so that the most rigid investigation will reveal nothing. Which is admittedly more of a pro for my team than yours. (laughs) And the story continues. The Thursday afternoon paper contained a vivid account of Langford's death in the state penitentiary. Dr. Rowling read the item eagerly. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. I'm eagerly, I said. Eagerly. <laughs> ooh. Ooh, is he dead? Did he die? Oh, I can't, I can't wait. How vivid would the account be? He was just found dead in his cell. It's as vivid as they can sell papers with. This clip is probably a good time to discuss some show background. I get in trouble with Alan when I mention this, but Interrupted Tales is partially scripted. The person who finds a good story to use will create a rough outline of riffs, or interruptions, for the episode. It varies how much we add to that, but there's generally a good amount of time for improv. This format works for us because, frankly, it's just not as good a show without some pre-written material. Our biggest influence, Mystery Science Theater 3000, is completely scripted and rehearsed. And in our opinion, it doesn't take away from the show at all. Some people like the illusion that everything is off the cuff. But the reality is that doing it off the cuff would be more like Season 1 Mystery Science Theater instead of Season 4 or 5 MST3K. Big gaps and lukewarm comments and no one wants that. One other thing about who reads and who interrupts. In almost every episode, the reader is reading the story for the first time while we record. The exceptions are our shows with guests and our live shows. But in everything else, we don't know what we're reading until a few minutes before we start. We feel the element of surprise this brings to the read works well for us. We could be more polished if we pre-read and rehearsed, but this adds a further spark of spontaneity that we enjoy. So I've run out of things to procrastinate on for the test, so let's get back to it. Here we are at its most dramatic point. The doctor waits to see if his test is successful, and hears a most dramatic knock at the door, and recognizes the mysterious figure standing there. He tried to cry out. The word stuck in his throat. Langford! He gasped. The form in the doorway seemed to nod slightly. That's my name. Don't wear it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the answer seemed to paralyze the doctor for a moment. Then, with a quick motion, he reached into his pocket and brought forth a small file, similar to the one given Langford. The liquid in this container, however, was of a brown color. Now let's see. Poison of brown, drink it down. No, it didn't, didn't come up with another color one real quick there. <laughs> Uh, pink and doesn't stink? Uh, yeah. I don't think that's how that goes. So here it is over a year later, and I now have the dramatic correct response I should have had then. It's poison of yellow. You've got to inject that, good fellow. Whew. I feel much better getting that off my chest. By the way, did you know that I once pitched the name Pulp Fixin for this show? Yeah. You could be listening to Pulp Fixin' right now. That was all me. I'm not proud of it. And now, the big finish to the test, as the person who entered the room on that fateful night tells his side of the story. That's just how it happened, he concluded to the officer. When I opened the door, he looked at me like I was a ghost. 
He said something and then jerked the bottle out of his pocket and drank what was in it. Must have been terrible. He was dead when I got to him. But my name? Langford is my name. Adrian Langford. I understand Dr. Rowling visited my brother at the penitentiary a couple of days before he died. Oh, well, I guess I forgot to cue up the Price is Right loser horn there. Let's see. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Wow. And that's it for Interrupted Tales Episode 3, The Test. And also it for our first and possibly only Interrupted Tales commentary track. The whole episode can be found, of course, wherever you downloaded this episode. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use it to listen to podcasts, it's a great help to us as more ratings and reviews expose the podcast to more people. Wherever you live, we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Twitter at Tale Interrupted or on Instagram at Interrupted Tales. We're also on the Facebook, but not quite as often. And please check out our website at ohthehumanity.com, that's ohthehumanity.com, for clips of other episodes in addition to information about our other podcast, Parasitecology. It's a scripted dark comedy sci-fi story about a depressed IT nerd and his new best friend, the fugitive alien parasite that's moved into his brainstem. It's got action, adventure, laughs, trips to the grocery store, horrifying work happy hours, killer electronic assistance, and a great soundtrack. We have a lot about it on our site, or you can find Parasitcology wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, the true test was the friends we made along the way. Bye-bye!